listening to Foundry Church's weekly podcast, where our singular focus is to help people know, follow, and share Jesus. Our hope is that today's message would help you to encounter the living Christ in a new and transformative way. Bow your heads with me. Lord, we, um, <clears throat> we ask you to speak. We ask you to open our hearts and our minds now to hear your voice. Um, not only to hear your voice, but to be encouraged, to be prompted, to be moved, to be, Lord, set free, um, to live fully as you have called us to live. God, we pray now that as we encounter your word, um, you would be revealed to us and through us. Lord, I know there are folks in this room who come bearing burdens or challenges or questions or fears. Um, Lord, we pray right now, even as we've sung, that our hearts have been prepared for what you wanna speak. God, that you would speak clearly, that you would give us attentive minds and hearts now to hear your word, to put it into practice. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So we're in the third week of this series, Rooted, and we're looking at what it looks like to live a deeply rooted life. And today's message, really, we're gonna turn to Paul's letters, and, and there were so many places we could turn, really, for this, this message about the body of Christ, about what it means to be deeply rooted in the family of God, and um, because it's prevalent all through Paul's letters. The early church, this was at the heart of what Paul wanted them to do and how they were to live out their faith. And he knew that it would, that it would translate into the life that's described all through scripture as that life that's like a tree planted by streams of water that in season bears fruit, that in season over the long haul bears fruit. And this is, this is a hard work. Um, this is... You know, I, I, I said, there's nothing really about what I'm gonna say today that's, um, that's earth-shattering, that's new. Um, you know, you might even say, like, today's message, I'll just, it might be, you might describe it as boring in one sense. That's a great preface to the message, right? <laughs> today's sermon, it's gonna be boring. But I heard a leader recently say, you know, like, how do your people that follow you describe you? And he said, boring. And I was like, boring? Like, who wants to follow a boring leader? But he said, no, I have a set of values that guide everything that I do. And so, really what he was saying, he was redefining boring as predictable, right? That he moves in his actions and his decisions and they're all aligned with these core values and the people that work with him for a long enough time start to be able to predict. You know, I say that to my staff sometimes. I'm like, Can you, you guys need to grow in your ability to read my mind sometimes. <laughs> Paige is shaking her head. But, but this is not, listen, this message is not about some new revelation that you know has escaped the church for 2,000 years and 
hallelujah, Ray had this revelation this week and is gonna share it with you. Now, this is the core of our faith, but listen, it is difficult to put into practice. It is difficult to put into practice, and it is about being a part of the body in a deeper way, and being not just playing church and going through the motions, but actually being rooted in the body and growing in our faith through simple practices and through living in community. And, and this doesn't happen overnight. Listen, part of, part of what I love about getting to preach this message is that I, I've been at this church, at this church long enough that I know a lot of you. I know parts of your story and, and I know your struggles and I know the challenges that you've gone through and, and you know, we share some of those things in common and, and we can mutually uh, grow in our faith. We can grow by mutual encouragement of one another when we walk through these things. But it doesn't happen naturally and it doesn't happen in our world. In our world today, it, we're struggling with what I think is both an advantage but also has a dark side, a disadvantage, and that is what Daniel Gorothy points to in his book, The Power of Place. He talks about the hypermobility of our world, that we can go and do and change all, you know, you can, you can do anything and go anywhere and experience anything, which means you can leave when things are difficult, um, I, I grew up in a small town, in a small church, full of a bunch of just everyday, ordinary, wonderful people who cared for each other and lived in community in a different sort of way than most of us experience anymore. It's rare to have those kinds of lifelong relationships with people. Um, I, I, my great-grandfather was the head of the trustees at the church. Like I found a, a book of discipline that the pastor of the Methodist church had given to him in 1904, <laughs> signed and given to my great-grandfather. You know, my, my, my great, my grandparents were married in that church. My, my, my um, I was married there. My, my mom's funeral was in that church. I was baptized there. I, I did my, my dad got married five years after my mom's death and I performed the wedding in that church. So many wonderful memories, but it's not the place, it's the people. And Jacqueline and I this summer got to go back and visit family. And, you know, we went to my dad's Sunday school class. It's, you know, a bunch of sweet old people. I mean, <laughs> it is, they're, they're, the church is growing older, and we went to the senior adult Sunday school class, you know, because that's where my dad is. Um, but when I'm in that class, it's my, my friend's parents that I grew up with that know what I was like when I was this tall, and, you know, that's not necessarily a good thing all the time, <laughs> but it is, right, to be known in this way that, that, is, that transcends time. And listen, I'm not saying that that's necessarily the goal or what we set out to create, okay? You can't recreate that. Our world is different and, and people move more and we're a transient society. And listen, I understand all the advantages of that, but we need to acknowledge and recognize that, that there are certain things that are no longer built in. 
that are important for our souls and important. One of these things is the way that we connect with others. Okay, and so it's not gonna be built in and it's not gonna be easy, but it is important. And you must work to overcome the obstacles in order, listen, in order to connect in deep and meaningful ways with other people that allow you to grow and to care for one another and to be a part of community. Because what we do on Sunday morning is important. Listen, don't, don't misunderstand me. Come on Sundays, okay? Worship is important, but we value and, and we believe that it takes more than just showing up on a Sunday and listening to a sermon and, and, and hearing uh, or singing a few songs to nourish our faith in a deeper way, to be known and to be in community in a way that transforms us and in a way that sustains life so that we will be like that tree planted by a stream of water that bears its fruit in season. This is what Paul says over and over again. In Colossians 2, he says, therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in your faith just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Now, Paul says here that your life as a follower of Jesus, every part of your life should reflect the fact that you are a follower of Jesus. This idea of walking in your faith is this long obedience, walking with Christ day after day, in every part of our lives. It is not one step, but it is many steps. It is a walk, it is a journey, it is a path. And it begins with one step, but, but it doesn't end with that one step. You have to take the first step. And maybe God's inviting some of us to take that first step in this season. Maybe church is new to you, I would encourage you, just take the first step. But no, it's not gonna all make sense with the first step. It takes a lifetime of walking with Christ. There's something else uh, here, I think, in what Paul is encouraging the early Christians to do, and, and that is something that we have lost, I think, in our compartmentalized world today that we can very easily, listen, how, think about how easy it is for you to compartmentalize your life today. This wasn't always the case. But you can have, you know, you can have your work friends and you can have your, your neighborhood friends and you can have, you know, like maybe if your kids are into sports, you can have your sports friends and you can have, uh, you can have your church friends and you can have your work life and you can have your social life and you can have your church life. And, and sometimes, here's what I fear, sometimes we really don't wanna get to know people in the churches deeply because we don't really want them to know about the other parts of our life. <laughs> because maybe we just wanna keep a little Jesus over here in this compartment of our life, but we don't really wanna surrender the whole of our life to walk with Christ. Listen, you cannot walk with Christ without being able to live out. Like, and I'm not saying that happens overnight, but it is a call to surrender your whole life, not just one part of your life. You don't have just a spiritual life and then a work life and a social life and a family life. When you surrender to Christ, they're all submissive to Jesus. They all come under the lordship of Jesus, and listen, 
here's part of it. When you walk with Jesus, where you walk, you're not walking in the church. The church is here to equip you that you might walk out your faith in all of those other arenas. You are a Christian wherever you are. You are a follower, a student of Jesus. You're modeling your life after Jesus. That's what disciple means in all of those other arenas. He says this, he says, look at what he says. As we have received Christ Jesus the Lord, this is the idea of lordship. To receive Christ Jesus the Lord means that we that our wills, that all of our lives, that it's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. That he has power and authority in all areas of our life. And listen, again, this is not an overnight shift. This is a transformation that takes a lifetime of Christ. For, but, but it's about surrendering our will and saying, Jesus, I don't want you just to be relegated to the weekends, to Sunday morning but I want you, you to come and to, to challenge my assumptions and, and to, to change and transform me in every part of my life. This is what Paul understood that the spiritual life was. It was the holistic life under the lordship of Jesus. Part of the reason this is a challenge, again, like what I'm saying is not revolutionary. What, what is different are the times that we live in and the challenges that we face to some of these things. And we need to wake up to the challenges we face and respond to them in the power of the Spirit. Another is this hypermobility, but there's also a hyper-individualistic kind of mentality. You know, the I is chief over the we. And when this starts to bleed into our faith, what we start to believe is that, you know what, it'd be a whole lot simpler if I just do me and Jesus this way vertically, but I'm just, I'm not gonna, it's just gonna be my spiritual life and I'm not gonna really, I'm not gonna share my faith for sure, but, but I'm not gonna really bring that into my relationships. I'm not gonna bring that into the other arenas of my life and in my relationships because my spiritual life is just me and Jesus. And, and we approach it this way. I'm gonna read my Bible, I'm gonna pray. It's just gonna be me and Jesus. My faith is between me and God. It's not between anyone, it's not anyone else's business. I believe in Jesus. And listen, the fallacy in this is that you cannot follow Jesus without other people, really. Because you have a wrong concept of what it means to follow Jesus if you think that you can do it without other people. For one, following Jesus is all about relationships. Jesus said the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, but he understood that you can't do that without loving people, that it, that it leads, that the transformation, that loving God is really about loving people. You can't separate the two. And you also can't really flourish and, and grow deep roots without being in community with other believers that encourage you and support you and care for you and that you do the same for them. So my faith is between me and God is just a lie. The instructions to walk in Jesus Christ, to walk in Christ Jesus the Lord is given to a group of people. <laughs> so when Paul's writing this, I hate that Greek doesn't have y'all but doesn't translate to y'all in English because it should. My version of the Bible would say y'all. All y'all, probably. 
Because that's what Paul's saying. All y'all walk in the Lord together. That's what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. It means that we together walk in him. Paul says, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith. This is a call to community, a decision to be a part of the body of Christ. And that complicates things, doesn't it? If I called you to, to, if I said, you know, if we made this plea and then we did the altar call and, you know, it's come and give your life to Jesus or make some response to Jesus and, you know, you're okay saying yes to Jesus, but as soon as you say you're saying yes to other people, it gets a little bit more complicated, doesn't it? It gets a little bit more challenging because we all know people are difficult and people, relationships are complicated. Amen? Can we all agree? If I can get one thing, if I can say one thing we all agree on is that, right? Relationships are complicated. And so relationships will complicate your life. Relationships, if you open yourself to relationships, you will open yourself to risk of being hurt, of being rejected, of insecurities. You will. But saying no to those things is no way to live. When you say no to those things, you're saying no to Jesus deeply rooting you in a deeper way. And, and it might mean some hurt along the way, but it is worth it, friends. So Jesus invites us into this new way of living in this transformation of our relationships, but it will be difficult and it will be even more difficult in our day because it's so easy to leave relationships now. It's so easy to check out, to leave, to go down the street, whether it's another grocery store, another ball team, another church, whatever it is. To say, when it's difficult, time out, I'll just go down the street. But this is not what we were designed to live in. It is not God's design that leads to a rooted life. In fact, it leads to just the opposite, as the psalmist said in week, in week one when we looked at Psalm 1, that it, that it will lead to us being like the, like the wicked who are blown away like chaff in the wind. That we will just be blown to and fro, that we will never be rooted deeply in our faith. He says this to the church in Ephesus about the things that they believe. Listen, if you don't root yourself deep, deeply in community, then new ideas and new ways of thinking that are contrary to God's will will sound very um, attractive. And we will very easily be swayed if we don't live in deep community with others who are seeking Jesus. This is nothing new. Paul says this to the church in Ephesus. So that, this is the reason, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness, or in deceit, deceitful schemes. If we're not rooted in Christ, then the winds of doctrine will blow and we'll go along with them. We'll be not even realize that we've been seduced into believing other things. We'll think that we're so smart, that we have this, that we can, we can do it ourselves. Plus, people are pain, so why do I need other people? But you cannot serve Jesus. You cannot follow Jesus without relationships. 
They are what root us to Christ. You think about it this way, and it, you know, one of Jesus' favorite, or one of his most famous sayings about being connected, being rooted, is this idea of the vine, right? He says, you are the vine, uh, or I'm the vine, you are the branches. I'm the true vine, and my father's the wine dresser, the vine dresser. Abide in me, and I in you. This is the key to that rooted life, that we stay connected. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Now listen, this is not a vine with one branch. And so, this implies that if you want to stay connected to Jesus, you have to stay connected to other people. There will be other branches. In fact, that's what God wants for us, to stay connected even though things might be challenging and difficult and sometimes because it keeps us connected to him. And it's the only way to live out our faith. Uh, this is the body of Christ. This is the other image of, of the church throughout scripture is the body of Christ. Now, Paul says, now you are the body of Christ and each of you is a part of it. We belong to one another. Another image of the church, he uses the family, he uses the, the, um, the body, and he uses the imagery of a bride. The bride of Christ, have you heard of this? Through Paul's letters he talks about, and it's referred to, Jesus um, refers to his bride as the church. And so as we were thinking about this uh, this week, Luis, he said, you know, it'd be kind of like if I invited you to be my best man, you said, you know, we're best friends, but I hate your wife. <laughs> like, how many of you are okay with a friend like that? <laughs> like, I, I, don't, I don't really need anything to do with your wife, but, you know, we're buddies, right? Like, no. If you're saying to Jesus, I just want you, but I don't need the church, then that's what you're saying to Jesus. I don't care too much for your bride, for the one that you died for. It's a selfish attitude, but it's, but it's prevalent apparently in our culture in more ways than we, than we realize. A recent study con, um, conducted by the Barna Research Group um, found that while the majority of Christians ex experience some form of relational investment in spiritual growth, two in five, so only 39% or 39% aren't engaged in any type of discipleship at all. It, the study goes on to say, in our increasingly individualized culture, 56% of Christians reported on the study that their spiritual life is entirely private. 56% of people said, my spiritual life is entirely private. Friends, Rooted, this is not, will not lead. I understand the reasons why we might have come to that place. It is easier and we have access to more. And relationships are difficult, challenging, and we move and all of these things. But what I'm suggesting to you is that this is a problem that we must overcome and it will take intentionality. It will take work. It'll take commitment. It'll be difficult. But we must insist 
on connecting and building deeper relationships or else we will find ourselves feeling rooted, a rootlessness in our lives. The tendency in our society is to just quit, right? Daniel Grothy talks about this. You don't like your job, you don't like your boss, just get a different job. You don't like your grocery store, you know, like somebody makes you mad, just go down the street. We can have a very consumeristic mentality about a lot of these things. It can even, it can even creep its way into marriage when marriage gets hard that we just bolt. A boyfriend or a girlfriend, a school, whatever it is, we, we face a conflict and we run and hide. We run the other way. We avoid it at all costs. And this is not, this is creeping its way into our spiritual lives and even into the church. And what we will experience is this relational rootlessness when this becomes our reality. Now there are times to leave, okay? There are times to leave. I'm not saying that. There are times to leave a job. There are times that God calls us to go somewhere else. There are times to move to a different city. There are times, you know, that you, it's not a sin to quit your grocery store and go down the street. <laughs> it's not a sin to leave the church sometimes. I know this, like some of you came from another church to Foundry. I get that. Like, but what I'm pointing to is, an, is, is a deeper issue of why we leave when things are challenging. And the questions we ask when we come to a church and say, is this the right church for me? Is it all about me and how they can meet my needs or make me feel? Or when we approach the, the body of Christ, do we say, is this a place that, that I align well with and that I can most effectively serve and contribute to the work that God wants to do in this community? Do we ask ourselves that question, how can I make a difference here in this body? How can I connect and grow deeper? So uh, as we go back in the fall season each week, we have an opportunity um, to grow, to connect, to deepen our relationships, and, and we wanna invite you into some of, some of those things. Um, we're, we're gonna have uh, our second, this is Foundry. This is Foundry is kind of a, a, an orientation. I, I hate to use the, word, the, the term membership class, but that's kind of what it is. If you, if you, wanna, if you wanna learn more about our church and, and learn ways that you can contribute, that you can get involved, that you can connect, then um, in, in just a, a few weeks, on September 17th, in about a month, September 17th, go ahead and register, go online, register, and let us know. And that'll be a key place for you to help, to, to take those next steps to connect, to grow in your faith, because, because our faith is all about community. It is all about connecting with one another and serving one another and growing together. Paul writes, he goes on in Colossians, he says, you are God's chosen people, you are holy and dearly loved, so put on tender mercy and kindness as if they were your clothes. Don't be proud, be gentle and patient. Put up with one another. Apparently, Paul understood this. Apparently, the, other, the early church struggled with some of this as well. Forgive one another. If you're holding something against someone, forgive just as the Lord forgave you. And over all these good things, put on love. Love holds them all together perfectly as if they were one. 
The number of things that the Bible talks about, the number of things that, that, that the Bible talks about uh, that have to do with the one, they're, they're what we call the one another's, okay? The one another's. The one another's are all through scripture and, and what I've come to realize is you cannot be a follower of Jesus without the one another's. They are, they are a measure of our faith ultimately. It's not how I feel about Jesus or how well I pray or eloquently or, or any of those things as we are transformed into the image of Christ. These are the things that we start to do. They start to be the predictable behaviors of our life because our values are under the lordship of Jesus. The New Testament, just to name a few, be at peace with one another, love one another, be devoted to one another, honor one another, live in harmony with one another, stop passing judgment, accept one another, instruct one another, greet one another, serve one another, carry one another's burdens, be patient, bearing with one another in love, be kind and compassionate to one another, Forgive one another, speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. In humility, consider others better than yourselves. Teach one another, admonish one another, encourage one another, build one another up. Spur one another on, do not slander one another. Don't grumble against one another. Confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another. Be humble toward one another. This is what the real faith in Jesus looks like, to grow in these places, in these ways. And we cannot do that. You cannot, I mean, literally, you can't do any of that, just you and Jesus. It's required for your faith to be lived out. It's also required if your faith is gonna grow and be deeply rooted because it is the place where God does that work through his spirit. Around here, we, uh, we talk about worship as the heartbeat of our church, but then we believe that, that the fully formed, the, the best way for us to grow in our faith is to be involved in two other things, just, just two other things. It's not a, a whole menu uh, of, of things that you have to do and spiritual exercises. We're not here to create more busyness in your life because I know a lot of us need less of that, but we, but we wanna challenge you to two things. First of all, to find a place where you can serve. To find a place where you can serve. Because God does something remarkable in your faith when you serve. And so out in the, out in the lobby, it's a way to put our faith into practice. And, and the amazing thing is when we serve, God, God grows our faith in ways that we don't, we don't really uh, predict, we couldn't predict or anticipate. Um, out in the lobby today, we have some opportunities in our kids and our students that they're actively recruiting people to serve in some ways. We need, we need people to serve with our kids to make a difference, to say yes to Jesus if God's leading you to do that. Um, we have other opportunities that we're just launching every fall. We have new Bible studies. We have a Bible study for men that's starting. We have some women's studies that are starting. We have other groups, um, all kinds of things. We have some things for couples this, this year. We have ongoing groups. There are all kinds of opportunities. We would rather hear from you like God's leading me. This is what I wanna do. I wanna connect with others and kind of help you. Uh, and so I wanna ask you, just stop by Connection Point. If God's prompting your heart to get to take that next step beyond just Sunday morning to really grow in your faith and to really invite the Spirit to do this work in you, then will you do that? Um, it may be a challenge now. 
It may not work right away. It may require some perseverance on your part, but I promise you it'll be worth it in the end because if you do not take those intentional steps, you will never develop the kinds of deep, meaningful relationships that last the test, that, that pass the test of time and that keep you deeply rooted, that grow your faith in ways that there is no substitute for. There's no substitute for. Just this past week, I had um, one of my uh, youth leaders from when I was a kid like messaged me, and he messages me still on a regular basis. We're very close uh, still to this day because he, you know, he invested in our lives as a volunteer when I was a teenager. His wife has been battling cancer for close to 20 years now. And so he sent me a report of her latest, um, her, her latest health report and the treatment and how it's working. And there was a praise, but there was also like, a, I would have never chosen this path, but God has grown my faith through it. You see, he's still, he's still teaching me. And I've had the chance now that I'm older to, to be a means of God's grace in his life as well as a pastor. And there's no shortcut for that kind of relationship. Um, or like on Facebook, I was just on Facebook, I shared this picture last week at Jones Road, but I ran across this uh, picture. Um, this is Carrie Crocker. Carrie Crocker was my fourth grade Sunday school teacher. I didn't know Carrie Crocker was still alive. Carrie Crocker is 104 years old. Those are her great grandkids around her. She is the most, when I saw this picture, you know they say people, you don't remember what people tell you, you remember how they made you feel. When I saw this picture, I just got this rush, this a warm, my heart was warmed. And I don't remember anything that I learned in fourth grade Sunday school. <laughs> but I do remember how Miss Crocker made us feel. And we were a rowdy group. Like it was a whole bunch of boys hopped up on Mountain Dew and one girl, bless her heart, <laughs> that little church. She was one of my grandmother's best friends. Her husband died at an early age. She's been a widow for almost 50 years. She, if you do the math, and I'm not gonna ask you to tell me what you th how old you think I am, but Miss Crocker was an age at which she didn't have to say yes when somebody asked about teaching fourth grade Sunday school. She was old enough, she, she could have said, I've already put in my time. But she said yes. And it wasn't easy. <laughs> I was not the most likely to be a preacher in the fourth grade. <laughs> I was probably more likely to be a prisoner one day than a preacher. But she said yes, and she loved on us, and she and her friends were praying for a group of little kids, and God did something through those people. And I wonder what stories might be told because you say yes to Jesus, because you take a risk to deepen relationship, to serve, to be in community, to be a part of the body of Christ, to contribute it's not what she got from that. 
It's not what we get. I mean, God does bless us when we serve in that way. But what difference might it make? Let's pray. God, I pray that we would say yes to you in whatever way that you call us for that next step. For some of us, this is the first step. It feels a little like over our heads and we're not comfortable and that's okay. But um, Lord, would you just reveal what that step is and help us to take it? Um, Lord, I pray against these expectations that sometimes we have that things are extraordinary, that they're exciting all the time. It's the mundane, it's doing the right thing, simply serving you in small ways that we might not be even ever recognized for. That a lifetime of faithfulness in that way does make a difference. So Lord, I thank you for Miss Crocker. I thank you for Mac and Mary Finlayson. I thank you for the difference they made in my life. And I pray God that even when we can't see the finished, the last chapter, that we would say yes to you in little things and trust that when we do the right thing, when we love well, when we put roots down, that we stay connected to the vine, that we persevere in difficult seasons, that in the end, in the end, we will look back and say, it wasn't always easy, but there was no other, there was no other way that I would choose to live. There was no other way than saying yes to the Lord of the universe. And so God, we pray that we would be a people together embody your grace in this way. In Jesus' name. We are so grateful that you joined us today and invite you to visit us online at foundrychurch.org for more information on how you can worship, serve, and get connected with us.